We'll be in Psalm 31. Uh, Be thinking as you're turning there, at the end, when we take uh, prayer requests, instead of splitting up into groups around the congregation and around the room and praying, we'll just have probably a few men come up and lead us in prayer. Uh, So men, be thinking. So I'm going to ask for volunteers. And so you can prepare now to volunteer. Psalm 31. I'm going to pray, and then we'll read the psalm, and we'll jump in. Let's pray. Father, what a joy it is this evening to gather here together, young and old, uh, to worship. And it's been so long, and it's so sweet to be here. And we pray that as we open your word this evening, that you would work for your glory, that we would realize that in our time apart, you have not changed. Your word is still powerful, and we are still commissioned to go and to make disciples. And may we be encouraged this evening as we look to your word, as we fellowship, even in our time of song, and in our time of prayer at the end. We pray that you would be honored in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 31. In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. Bow down your ear to me, deliver me speedily. Be my rock of refuge, a fortress of defense to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me. For you are my strength. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. I have hated those who regard useless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy, for you have considered my trouble. You have known my soul in adversities and have not shut me up into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a wide place. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. My eye wastes away with grief, yes, my soul and my body. For my life is spent with grief and my years in sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. I am a reproach among all my enemies, but especially among my neighbors, and am repulsive to my acquaintances. Those who see me outside flee from me. I am forgotten like a dead man out of mind. I am like a broken vessel. For I hear the slander of many, Fear is on every side. While they take counsel together against me, they scheme to take away my life. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face shine upon your servant. Save me for your mercy's sake. Do not let me be ashamed, O Lord, for I have called upon you. Let the wicked be ashamed. Let them be silent in the grave. Let the lying lips be put to silence, which speak insolent things proudly and contemptuously against the righteous. Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. You shall hide them in the secret place of your presence from the plots of man. You shall keep them secretly in a pavilion 
from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has shown me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. For I said in my haste, I am cut off from before your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplication when I cried out to you. Oh, love the Lord, all you his saints. For the Lord preserves the faithful and fully repays the proud person. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Psalm 31 is a lament. It's a lament in which the author, David, seeks help from God for a faithful man that is worn out. He's worn out with trouble. There's enemies all around him. And so he cries out to the Lord. I imagine as we gather this evening, many of us can come alongside it. We can feel that same way. We're worn out. Maybe not from an enemy who's chasing us and trying to do us harm. But we're worn out. We're tired. As we come to this psalm, as David works his way through it, we have an opening confession of confidence, and then a supplication in verses 9 to 18, and then a closing declaration of trust. You start out in verse 31, verse 1, chapter 31, verse 1, it says, In you, O Lord, I put my trust. It starts off with a very strong statement of confidence. I am trusting in you, O Lord. So let me never be ashamed. The idea here is I have put my trust in you. Don't let me down. Don't let me see. I've put my trust in you. So let it be publicly shown that I have not relied on a false basis of hope. My, my hope is not false, it is secure. Therefore, do not let me down. Let me not be ashamed. I have put my trust in you. I am leaning on you. Let there be something for me to lean on. Deliver me in your righteousness, the faithfulness of your promises and who you are. Bow down your ear to him. Hear me. Deliver me speedily. You can see in this, David is bringing his request, but at the same time, he's stating his confidence. I'm trusting in you. I'm leaning on you. Let me not be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness because of who you are, because of your faithfulness. Hear me. Deliver me. Be my rock of refuge, a fortress, a defense to save me. What's interesting is verse, the end of verse 2 into verse 3, he says, be my rock, be my fortress. He's asking God to, to do this. But then in verse 3 he says, you are my rock and my fortress. Be my rock and my fortress because you are my rock and my fortress. He's asking God to, to act according to his character. Defend me. This is who you are. I know this is who you are. Let me see that. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. 
for your name's sake. Not because I deserve it, but because of who you are, because of your faithfulness. As he's touched on in verse 1, lead me and guide me. Verse 3 is actually very similar to Psalm 23. Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside the still waters. This is that same heart cry turned into a prayer. For your name's sake, lead me and guide me because of who you are. Pull me out of the net which they've secretly laid for me. Protect me, for you are my strength. Verse 5, into your hand I commit my spirit. That might sound familiar to you. Where have we heard that before? Because this is Wednesday, you can raise your hand and answer. Where have we heard that before? The cross. Technically, we heard it here before the cross, but that's where we're familiar with it. It's quoted on the cross by Jesus in Luke 23, verse 46. And what it is, is it's, it's, it's a declaration of the innocent trusting God for vindication. I am innocent. But I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth. I have hated those who regard useless idols. But I trust in the Lord. I will be glad. I will rejoice in your mercy. You've considered my trouble. You've known my soul in adversities and have not shut me up into the hand of my enemy. You've heard me. You've protected me. This is what you've done in the past. I've seen this. You've set my feet on a wide place. In several other Psalms, we've seen that idea of God placing the one who is in him, placing him on, on solid ground, on a wide place, a safe place. So God has done. So in verses here, 1 to 8, what David is doing is he's laying the foundation of this prayer, of this song. He starts with confidence. I put my trust in you. Why? Because I've seen you do this in the past. You've delivered me in the past. I've experienced this. I've seen this. I know who you are. I'm confidently trusting in you. So then come to verse 9 to 18. He moves to supplication. Now he brings his requests. And this is where I think we, get, we can really identify with this. Especially verse 9 and 10. What you see in verse 9 and 10 is inward symptoms of suffering and grief. This is what it feels like on the inside. Whereas then verse 11 through 13 are outward symptoms of suffering and grief. This is what it feels like on the outside, what it looks like when I'm experiencing. So how does he describe it on the inside? Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am trouble. I'm in trouble. I'm facing real persecution. There's something real going on here. And whatever it is for David, it was real in that moment. There's something, someone going on. So how does he feel on the inside? What is this, what is inwardly going on? My eye wastes away with grief. Yes, my soul and my body. My life is spent with grief. Constantly, I'm always grieving. I'm overwhelmed by it. 
Have you ever cried so much it doesn't feel like you can cry anymore? Your eye is wasting away with grief. My years with sighing, year after year, night after night, just, I can't take it anymore. My strength fails because of my iniquity. My strength fails me. My bones waste away. I have no strength in me. I have no motivation. I feel empty. I feel heavy. Those are the inward symptoms of suffering and of grief. And and I suspect that many of us have felt this before. Maybe some of us feel this way tonight. goes on verse 11 then outwardly what does this look like I'm a reproach among my enemies but especially among my neighbors those who those who are close to me those who care about me I'm a reproach I'm repulsive to my acquaintances those who are closest to me they shy away from me they push away from me I'm repulsive when they see me outside they they flee from me I'm forgotten like a dead man. I'm out of mind. I'm a broken vessel. I hear those they slander. Fear is on every side. They take counsel against me. They scheme to take away my life. Inward symptoms, outward symptoms. This is what my life looks like. This is what it feels like. This is what is going on. Then verse 14. Transitional reassurance of faith. But as for me, despite how I feel, despite what is going on around me, how others treat me, despite that, as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. And my times, my life is in your hands. At this point then, verses 1 to 8, David declares his confidence in the Lord. Verses 9 to 13, he expresses his his feelings and his experiences. Now in verse 15 and on, he brings his request to the Lord. I trust you. I've had these experiences with you. This is what I'm feeling now. This is what I'm seeing now. This is what I'm experiencing now. But I trust you. Therefore, because I've put my trust in you, because you are my God, therefore, deliver me from the hand of my enemies, from those who persecute me. Make your face shine upon your servant. Let me see your favor. Save me for your mercy's sake. Again, David's plea here is not based on his merit, but it's based on God's character. Save me because of who you are, not because of who I am. Again, he comes back to this idea of ashamed. Don't let me be ashamed. 
It's the same cry as verse 1. I'm leaning on you. I'm trusting on you. Let there be something there for me to lean on. Don't let me be ashamed, O Lord, for I have called on you. Instead, let the wicked be ashamed. I'm trusting in you. I've got this solid foundation. I know you're there. Let me see it. I want to see them be ashamed because they're trusting in what's not real. Let them be ashamed. Let them be silent in the grave. Let the lying lips be put to silence. We speak insolent things proudly and contemptuously against the righteous. I long to see justice. As we come to verses 19 and 24, see a closing declaration of trust. It's amazing as verse 19, verse 18, he's crying out for justice, lying lifts, he put the silence, then he comes to verse 19, and he seemingly shifts gears completely. Oh, how great is your goodness. Where did that come from? He's just saying, I'm, I'm in trouble, this is how I feel, this is what I see, I need deliverance, save me, don't let me put, put the shame, instead attack, tear down my enemies, let them be put to shame. Oh God, you're good. There's a change from verse 18 to verse 19, but there's not a change in time. This is all one psalm. The problem of verses 9 to 13 has not been dealt with yet. So what changes David's outlook here? David's confidence in the Lord is such that his meditation on the character of God, his cry for justice and for mercy overflows then into praise. Even in the midst of the trial in which he's in, he turns to praise. Oh, how great is your goodness. I'm still facing this. I'm still feeling this. I still feel this way on the inside. I still see this on the outside. But I know that you are good. How great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who, who trust in you, not those who are good, not those who go to church every Sunday, not those who come from the right family or have the right amount of money, those who fear you, those who trust in you, in the presence of the sons of men. You shall hide them in the secret place of your presence from the plots of men. You shall keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. You, you, you will defend them. So blessed be the Lord. For he has shown. He's shown me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. For I said in my haste, I am cut off from before your eyes. Verse 22 shows David's rash response in a time. When, when, when he feels the way that he felt in verses 9 and 10, when he sees in verses 11 through 13, when that's what he feels and that's what he sees in a time like that, I responded in my haste. I rashly responded to my circumstances with fear rather than in faith. I think again here, this is where the psalm is so relatable. Because how often have we responded 
rashly in fear rather than in faith? How often do we look around us at circumstances that seem crazy, that seem completely out of control? In fact, circumstances that we've seen the last week and a half. And how often do we respond to our circumstances with fear rather than with faith? But notice that it's not too late. Just because you start in fear doesn't mean you can't turn to faith. That's what he says here in verse 22. In my haste, this is what I said, I'm cut off from before your eyes. You've abandoned me. This is how I I felt and I responded to my circumstances in fear rather than in faith. Nevertheless, but even in that, it wasn't too late because I turned to you. You heard the voice of my supplication. You heard me anyway. Even in my unbelief, even in my fear, you heard me when I cried out to you. Oh, love the Lord, all you his saints. For the Lord preserves the faithful. He's a faithful God. He's a merciful God. He's a God who is full of grace. And he's a God who is just. He fully repays the proud person. Therefore, You who are his, you who fear the Lord, therefore, be of good courage. Be of good courage because of who he is. He's a faithful, merciful, just, grace-filled God. So be of good courage. And he will strengthen your heart. Not that somewhere deep inside you you'll find the strength to get through. He will strengthen your heart. He will give you the peace that passes understanding. As Philippians 4 says. And who is this for? Who can be of good courage? Who can trust in the Lord? Who who, who can stand in the fact that, that he will strengthen my heart? It's all you who hope in the Lord. All you who hope in the Lord. Not in your own strength. So application. Let's come to the end of Psalm 31. We're trying as we work our way through the Psalms to take the principles that we're seeing and and apply them to our prayers so that we're praying Scripture. We have something to guide us in our prayers. So as we come to Psalm 31, notice that David sandwiches his supplication with praise. He honestly and humbly brings his request to the Lord. He remembers who God is and what God has done. But he doesn't bring his request to God before he lays that foundation of confidence and then he finishes with a song, a song of praise. I have confidence in you because of who I've seen you to be. In the end, he rejoices in who God is. And in the middle, he brings his request to God. He's humble, he's honest with God. This is how I feel, this is what I see. But he brings his request to God. Our prayers must be saturated in truth and not in speculation. How often do we sit and we let our minds run crazy? Rather than focusing on who God is, what he's done in the past, and then allowing that to lead us to praise. 
There's a progression in this psalm. I trust you. Don't let me be ashamed. I've seen you do this in the past. This is what I feel. This is what I see. This is what I'm struggling with. But this is who I know you to be. Let that be the progression of our prayers. Let's saturate our prayers with truth, the truth of who God is, the truth of of who we've seen him to be, of who he's revealed himself in scripture to us, of, of our past experiences. And then bring our requests, but then let that move us to praise. I know what you're going to do. I know where this is all heading. I know that in the end, I have a reason to hope. Another application is, is simply this truth, that your problems are not bigger than your God. That's how he ends. He's, he's brought these big problems These overwhelming problems that are crushing him down and and we've seen his inward struggle. But then in a psalm that is so heavy in the middle, it ends with this, be of good courage. He will strengthen your heart and, and all you who hope in the Lord. That's not where you would expect the psalm to end in verse 13. But that's where it ends. Because David realizes that though his problems are big, his God is bigger. So he has hope. He has something to lean on, something to hope in. He knows that as he starts out, don't let me be ashamed. He knows, even as he says that, that God won't let him be ashamed. That he has that hope. He has that rock and that fortress. So be encouraged this evening with Psalm 31. When you feel overwhelmed, when you feel worn out, worn down, when you feel hopeless, you have hope. Remember who God is, what he's done. Be honest with him and bring your requests before him, but then allow that to move you to who you know God to be, to trust in him. So that is Psalm 31.